With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, James Edwards is in the building. Funny story. So remember how yesterday on the show I mentioned that I would be doing a podcast with James on some Eastern Conference offseason previews. That was accurate. You know what the cool thing is? Jeremy Grant got traded over the night <laughs> or over this afternoon. So we have access to James, who knows better about the Detroit Pistons than anybody working in media right now. So it was perfect timing. We're going to have James come on. We're going to talk about the Jeremy Grant deal uh, to start. He is traded to the Portland Trailblazers in a deal that we'll talk about in a minute with that has some complex like second rounder you know obligations and everything and then we're going to talk about the central division so we're going to go through chicago uh we're going to talk about who, who, who what other what other teams did i send you I, I, james indy. indy we got uh milwaukee we got cleveland we got chicago we got uh, then we're going to move to the Southeast Division, Atlanta, Charlotte, Miami, Orlando, and Washington. The goal here is not to do what Fred Katz and I did, where Fred and I talked about the Knicks for 30 minutes. Our goal is to talk about each of these teams outside of the Jeremy Grant deal for eight minutes or less. James, now that we've gone through all this, what's going on, buddy? How's it going? <laughs> uh, frazzled, I think that's the right word. Um. I bring that energy out of people. Yeah. Well, primarily because, so I'm leaving for New York Thursday morning for the draft. And I was trying to like go around and like get some, some flight sweats and stuff while also simultaneously, as I told you, like it felt like the grant trade was coming, um, yeah. starting around like four thirty-five. So working on that at the same time, I knew me and you had agreed to today after what was supposed to be earlier this week. And then, rushing home in the kind of the the thick of rush hour to get home and write and yeah so a little frazzled i've been in summer mode so i haven't been frazzled in a while but hey <laughs> this is this is the work this is why you do the work during the season so you're prepared for moments like this like to any young writer out there uh you do the work during the season getting to know people building connections building relationships for these summer months when anything can happen you can capitalize on on these type of moments. Well, and you had something up incredibly quickly. Like I was expecting, oh shit, like it's going to be like a three hour wait. Like James is going to you know need to take some time, do a deep dive into the Jeremy Grant deal. You did a pretty deep dive into the deal. 
and you did it in like 90 minutes, which is fantastic. <laughs> I was just Thank like, you. okay, like, let's I, roll. Yeah, like this trade is, it's not like a, there's not like drama like there is when Houston makes a deal or anything. Like it's kind of like people want to know, people were surprised at the package, the the, the deal. So want to know why that happened, why Grant was traded, why the Pistons are doing this. You can get to that in like a couple paragraphs. So um, yeah. my, my goal was to, every story, I want somebody to learn something they didn't know. So I, I feel like I accomplished that in this one. So let's talk about the Jeremy Grant deal first, and then we will transition into Detroit's offseason and where they go from here within that conversation, because I think that that's just going to be the easiest way to do this. Uh, please, James, I still don't totally know what all of the second round obligations are with this trade. Yeah, so I'll pull it up. I'm going to give you the floor. Uh, please explain all of the details in this deal that see Jeremy Grant going from Portland or going from Detroit to Portland for a 2025 Milwaukee first round pick. Yes. So there's that Detroit will also pick swap this year. So they have 46. They will now have 36 in the second round in, in Thursday's draft um, while also getting back its own 2025, which Portland had. And then the Pistons also get the more favorable of the Blazers and Pelicans second round pick in 2026. So when I first glanced at this deal and just saw the 2025 Milwaukee pick, which is not going to be very valuable. Giannis still exists. Like there's no way that Bucks team is going to be outside of, or is going to be in the lottery, right? This is the top four protected pick. I believe I believe Uh, it's going to be like a pick in the twenties in 2025, basically. Um, I do think there is real value moving from 46 to 36 in this draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a small thing, but it's not valueless. Uh, obviously, they get the two other second round picks, or at least they get, well, yeah, they get two additional second round picks, I guess. So when I look at this deal, I think that it's probably commensurate in value with like the 17th pick in a draft maybe like the 18th pick in a draft and that's still probably a bit low in comparison to what people thought jeremy grant's value was but when i look at it it just seems pretty obvious that detroit here decided to move this pick into portland's trade exception which means that they clear the cap space that they need in order to chase free agents and how this deal works out for them, I think is just kind of incomplete at this point. It's almost not worth, uh, you know, get, like this is not a trade to give immediate grades on. Right. We won't know the grade until July 5th or whatever it feels like. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, for me, in terms of what they got back in a trade, seven never seemed on the table for me like maybe early on when portland was seeming desperate desperate and you just, i knew I, to my knowledge i know portland had a list of guys that they wanted with the number seven pick i know jeremy was on the list he was fifth six to my knowledge i never thought seven was in play I, I looked at teams like cleveland at 14 and atlanta at 16 i believe 16 um and like that's possible just given where they are as organizations they might not need those picks but I was never as high on Jeremy's value um, as maybe other Pistons fans were just because of some of the stuff that was thrown out. And I played into it throughout the, the months, like just trying to get a gauge because you look at what Aaron Gordon was traded for um, and you, you think Jeremy Grant now is pretty much on that level of where Aaron Gordon was then. But I think Jeremy Grant's extension, maybe I would imagine maybe teams have hesitation there 
Um, I don't know if maybe that's why, but yeah, I reported the story. Um, and again, I, I believe I'm being told the truth. This is the best offer Detroit has had concrete offer that Detroit has had for Jeremy Grant, even dating back to last trade deadline. So I think what you said is important. Essentially, they're moving off money without taking money in. This is a team that went into the summer with arguably the most cap space around 30 million. They can get up to 56 million if they don't bring back like a Hamadou or a Frank Jackson. And they're probably going to, I think they bring those two back, at least one of them. Uh, so you're kind of looking at mid forties. So listen, Troy Weaver was brought in here for two things. Uh, well, when he took over Detroit, two things were, were clear. This team has been, struggled financially not in terms of cap space for quite some time and they struggled in the draft and in less than three years troy has and they they have 40 something million in cap space and that's with 11 million dead money still on the books uh in in uh dead men and i can't even remember who else that's Zaire with, Smith, and I Zaire believe Smith. Josh Smith as well is, has this last year on the books, maybe. Yeah. Or no, no, no. no it's DeAndre no. Jordan. Is DeAndre is. Jordan. DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. So that in less than three years, that has been fixed. And then we go to the draft. He's done two drafts, and he has three first team all and or three all rookies: uh, Sadiq, Isaiah. Cade and Isaiah Livers, I think, is going to be a player in some capacity too. So, four guys and the verdict's still out on Killian. Um, hasn't looked great, but it's still the verdict's out. But I think four guys that like, I think they're probably excited about going forward. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's a a very quick turnaround in terms of where the Pistons have struggled the most over the last decade to having a position where they actually have different avenues they can walk down for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And I think this is the benefit of having Cade now, right? Yep. Like you have your guy, you are now building around a star. The hardest thing to do is to find the star. You have him. Mm-hmm. Now you just try and make it work around him. And in terms of Grant, let's talk about that first real quick. Yeah. Like Jeremy Grant is a uh, valuable starting caliber player in today's NBA. Uh, He is switchable defensively, I think, across all forward positions. You can have him on a bigger wing creator, which I think is actually something that has intense value in the playoffs that we haven't gotten to see Jeremy, you know, perform in Detroit uh, since he's moved into being more of a primary scorer. But I would venture that in Portland, we probably see him step back a little bit in terms of being like a primary scorer at the end of the day. Um, at least in comparison to where he's been in Detroit. And so, that, I think him and Dame are very close too. So I don't think there's going to be a, I don't think he'll be a, a, afraid to take a backseat to a guy he's very close with. And the pecking order is yeah. well-defined there instead of, instead of how it was in Detroit early on before, before Cade kind of got rolling. Now, them moving forward, they're in a spot where they have, to make a decision on Anthony Simons this summer, which I'm like pretty interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> if I was Detroit, I would chase Anthony Simons a little yeah. bit, to be honest. Uh, if I was and now in Portland, I have to make a decision on Anthony Simons. He's going to cost $25 million a year. I think like almost unquestionably given the way that he closed the season, given what his upside is, given his age, 
that's going to be a big money deal. Like we're talking about like people worrying about Jalen Brunson getting 25 million, like 30 million a year. I think people's eyes are going to like fucking balloon out of their skull when they see what Anthony (laughs) Simons is going to get given how few people know really how good he is now as a pull-up scorer and shot creator. Uh, They have to make a decision on picking up Josh Hart's deal. They have to make a decision on re-signing Yusuf Nurkic. I think that their moves now make more sense to be able to move uh, forward with Dame, with Nurkic, with Hart, with Simons, now that they have Jeremy Grant. And I think additionally, because they have acquired this very good player for a good asset, not Mm -hmm. like a crazy good asset. They didn't have to give up number seven, for instance. And while we're on it, just really quick, Haynes, and this has been out there, Haynes reported that Portland's going for OG with number seven. So if you I'm want to sure add they that are. the equation, yeah. I don't know if that gets I'm them, but yeah. incredibly skeptical Same. that they are able to do that. I think it would cost OG plus like other stuff. Or I, I think agree. it would cost seven plus other stuff for OG. I'm with you. Um, it now allows them, I think, to take a swing at number seven, which from what I gather is what Joe Cronin has always been like the big proponent of uh, in the draft like they have obviously always um been a team that goes for like crazy athletes they take Anthony Simons they take someone like Greg Brown uh-huh. uh you know Neil Olshay throughout his past has been publicly on the record saying like when he was in charge there that you know we don't think there is any rookie who can come in and help us while we're a playoff team so we are just going to take the best player available and or the highest upside available and go from there. They took Gary Trent, for instance, as a freshman, um, one and done. So I think they're going to take Shaden Sharp is where I'm at. It seems like the most logical landing spot for me when I think of where Sharp goes. Um, And it sounds like he's been – I don't think Detroit is – I think he's down the list for Detroit, um, and I don't see the Pacers taking him. And I, I, so I thought it started his range. The pace was good, but it started, I think it yeah. started, it started at seven for me with, with sharp. Yeah. And this isn't me <laughs> having Intel on this. Like don't aggregate this. This is me. <laughs> um, this is me inferring based on the moves they've made. Plus Joe Cronin being more of an upside guy. Plus Mike Schmitz having been on the record yeah. that, he wants uh oh let's see here something happened did something happen oh no it's just the haynes thing saying that uh portland is in pursuit um of og of og and anobi for number seven yeah i'm 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 on edge still like i haven't come all the way down you can't you can't scare me like that i just i would be stunned if that same but that's that's bizarre to me i mean literally like dan tolzman the scouting director for the toronto raptors like after a scrum someone got him on camera saying like we essentially be hard pressed to find someone like og at number seven in this draft so yeah it it would take an exorbitant amount more i would think for that deal to get done i'm with you um getting back to I, I'm like at the point now where I can't even remember what we were talking about. We were talking about Portland um, and we kind of tr- transferred to Portland after talking about Detroit. Yeah. So Portland now, um, I think that what they do just 
you know, they're, they're going to, they're, oh, we were talking about Shade and Sharp. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This, this isn't me aggregating this. This isn't me, or like, don't aggregate this. This is me reading the tea leaves. Mike Schmitz is like on the record, uh, on Woj's podcast saying that like he really would love the swing for Portland, uh, with Shade and Sharp at number seven before he went to go work for Portland and before <laughs> that was a thing that happened. Yeah. So speaking of I tea think, leaves really quick, yeah, you yeah, think yeah. the grant trade all but solidifies? Keegan at five or no? If the Kings don't do it. No, I think that this was probably more about they got a good deal for Grant. They opened up the space they want. I I think that they'll take the guy that's highest on their board. I don't think that they'll like look to fill Jeremy's position. I'm with you. I'm with you. And Um, Troy said, we talked to him on Monday and somebody asked him, does the draft dictate the rest of your off season? And he looked at us and said, no, to be honest, and he wasn't yeah. lying. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I'm with um, you. Okay, to Detroit. You have been making some very uh, oblique DeAndre Ayton references on social <laughs> media, and you straight up said in your uh, story that you published on The Athletic that you expect the Pistons will be chasing uh, DeAndre Ayton in free agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you speak to the DeAndre Ayton of this all here moving forward. Yeah, I mean, listen, I know he fits the timeline first and foremost. Um, As much as I think both you and I really like Isaiah Stewart, I think you kind of maybe look at Boston and you can see a world where you could see like a Robert Williams. I mean, obviously, uh, Isaiah Stewart doesn't have the, the, the height that those two do, that Horford and Robert Williams do. But defensively, like that could be fun. And Isaiah Stewart has improved as a three point shooter. Um, I think he's going to improve. Like I'm still very much in that camp. Like I think there's going to be yeah. a time where Isaiah Stewart very soon shoots three or four threes a game in his mid thirties. Um, so I don't think that necessarily that like means Isaiah Stewart is like an afterthought or anything. I think DeAndre Aiden is a very good player who fits their timeline. The Pistons have the money to go get him. Uh, Phoenix is the situation there is weird, even though it seems like they're trying to keep them based on like the latest reports uh yeah and detroit has an opportunity to make a splash and this free agency class isn't very good i think like you said like deandre ayton anthony simons are two guys that could they could make a run for uh but deandre ayton specifically i mean it just kind of makes a ton of sense it gives the pistons it gives kate a lob threat um gives them a good defensive anchor to go with isaiah stewart who's already a defensive anchor i think that's just like a it just makes sense like it fits in every way possible i don't know now, I don't know that they break the bank for Aiton. Like, I don't – maybe I'm I wrong. Mean, it's like, going to take a max. It's going to take $30 million a year to do it. I wonder – I wonder if they call – okay, so my question to you is, do you think there is somebody that gives Aiton the 30? No question. Ye- I think someone will give Aiton 30. Yeah, okay. I do. I'd be yeah. curious. I, I think – yeah, I think – I wonder if they have a walk I, – I I'd be curious – if Detroit has a walk away number, I don't think it's like by any means. Yeah, I can see, I can see them being like, look, we'll give you four one twenty without raises. Maybe like go like flat 30 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I can see a world where they try to like implement a team or a player option uh, because they will want to make this as disadvantageous for Phoenix to 
match as possible. Uh-huh. They will add like all sorts of crazy trade kickers as well uh, to make this as disadvantageous for Phoenix as possible. The thing that's interesting for me is now that they have opened this cap space, they can just offer DeAndre this deal and put pressure on Phoenix. Okay. Are you really going to match? Right. Like, Before it felt like if it was something was going to happen, Jeremy Grant was probably going to be involved in a sign. It would trade. have to be a sign and trade. Yeah, yeah. Now that's not the case. And look, maybe they will try. Maybe there will be like a sign and trade that occurs where Phoenix negotiates this. They open up a big trade exception. Right. Etc. But I, I really wonder if Phoenix is going to get much back from Detroit if I was, I'm very clear on this. If I was Phoenix, I would match everything for DeAndre and just retain him. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bad idea for Phoenix to let him go. But I also worry now that, you know, it seems like this is not going well with yeah. that relationship there. I also wonder if they're in a space where, like, is it almost like, here here's a weird one is it possible that detroit offers deandre the max Uh they open up they say hey we'll do a deal with you guys to open up a big trade exception yeah and then could charlotte then send gordon hayward into their trade exception that matches that the match is like the eight and max. And then they get, and then the Suns get 13. Maybe Suns get 15, maybe. 15. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they just take Hayward into that exception because, yeah. it, like, with a couple of seconds or something like that, or a All future right. first, because they're not going to do much better than Gordon Hayward, I think, on a $30 million trade exception where you're just like bringing someone in, right? right. Yeah. Um, I would definitely be rooting for, if I was Phoenix, be pushing for 13 or 15 to see if Mark yeah. Williams or Jalen Duran falls there because yeah might solve some problems. I don't think it, I don't think it gets you to where you want to go, but it makes uh losing eight and a little bit more palpable. Yeah. Hmm. This is, this is interesting now. Like th- there are some interesting constructions for Phoenix where you can make this work, even if it's just a trade exception that comes back and you yeah. make like a tangential deal to the like to DeAndre Ayton getting a big, you know, deal from Detroit, you opening up an enormous trade exception and then, you know, having that filled immediately almost basically yeah. by someone. But I think you need to do that. If you're if you're not matching DeAndre Ayton, you need to be willing to spend elsewhere. And that's what my worry is like is Phoenix just going to spend elsewhere or is Robert Sarver going to cheap out a little bit. <laughs> Okay, let's start these off-season previews. Chicago Bulls, their biggest off-season question mark here. And as usual, as we go through these, I raise a few questions here on the off-season. We discuss them. Uh, we go from there. The Chicago Bulls, Zach Levine's free agency, absolutely the biggest question mark. 
it seems very clear that you just give him a max level deal. His max, I believe, is around five years, $210 million. I think it's probably pretty likely he signs for the max. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably pretty likely that there could be some injury like, you know, insurance maybe on like the back end of that deal. Maybe the last year is like a vesting option of some sort. If he plays, you know, 60 games in three of the four seasons leading up to the last year. Yeah. No, we're in, we're in lockstep on that. I, there was all that. And I don't know how I don't cover the bulls. I don't know how true it was when people kind of insinuated that Levine was turned off by everybody kind of insinuating that the bulls turnaround was because DeRozan came there and that he wasn't going to come back. I think, as of late, everybody kind of feels a little more comfortable that he's going to come back. Um, and I think that's just the best case scenario for the Bulls. They have something, while it has a ceiling, um, something that's good, something that's interesting. It won't improve, um, I guess, maybe unless you did a sign and trade. Um, but obviously, Levine would have to, he's a restricted free agent, right? Or he is unrestricted. Unrestricted. Levine is unrestricted. Uh, yeah, Levine. Yeah. yeah, da da da. He would. So yeah, he would have to uh, want to help the Bulls out in that case. Um, yeah. So I just don't think there's a better avenue for them. Um, I think that they are a good team. They're they're fine. Maybe Pat Williams, uh, if he can evolve and and develop, adds a different dynamic to the team that will help. Uh, but yeah, I just don't see any other avenue to get to get better. Uh, other than keeping Levine and, and just seeing if maybe you can luck can be on your side and you get a few, uh, you're, you're the benefit of another, a couple other teams going down in the standings or injuries or whatever. I, I think they're a solid enough team that they'll always hover in that five to six range. Yeah. I, I think they're going to max them and I think they're going to go chasing in free agency. The biggest next question now is, you know, th- there have been pretty clear public rumors about Rudy Gobert being a real option for them and being, you know, someone that they're chasing a little bit. If you're them, do you give up Pat Williams and 18 and Cody, Kobe White or, you know, things like that for uh, Rudy Gobert? I would. I would do that if I were Chicago. Yeah. Now, does that in, or does that automatically imply that they would do something with Vooch too? Or are you saying Vooch would? Yeah, still be I'm on not the team? sure. I'm not sure what they do with Vooch okay. in this situation. Even even regardless, I would do it because I think defensively, I mean, I think we all point to the Bulls like that's where maybe their that's where their biggest weakness is. I don't yeah. think you're giving up much with 18. Uh, I like the idea of Pat Williams, but is Pat Williams I, somebody I'm going to regret giving up? I don't think so. And. Mm-hmm. The time is now for the Bulls if it's going to happen. So why yeah. not? So I'm with you. I think if they could do – if that would get them Gobert, I would do that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that if you could do Pat Williams in 18 for Rudy, I would do that. I think that that team becomes a legit contender in the East if you do yes. that. And Zach Levine is able to stay healthy. You have Levine, DeRozan, uh, Rudy Gobert at that point. Plus you have all of your interesting – you know pseudo role players like Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso. You've done very, very well building on the margins. Mm-hmm. Um, that A- team A-O. with – I like AO. Yeah, I was going to be really yeah. good. Like or they I- have yeah. – yeah, like 
I would do a Rudy deal if I was Chicago and I would be willing to give up Pat Williams. I like Pat Williams a bit. Like I think he's a good starting quality player. And you know, at 18, you're hoping to get a good rotation player. Rudy's one of the 10 best players in the league. He signed long-term or at least Rudy's one of the 15 best players in the league. Let's say Um, he signed long-term. I know he's on big money, but I think you just make it work at that point. Yeah. You're already, Um, you've already gone down the road of we want to compete now. So you might as well go further down the road. If you can't do Rudy, it's worth noting Nikola Vucevic is extension eligible. I probably don't extend him at that point. And I probably don't extend uh, Kobe White. I think I'm look. if I'm the Bulls, I think I'm looking to cash in right now. Like, I think I am looking to cash in with Pat Williams and with Kobe White at the end of the day. Even if it's not Rudy, maybe it's someone else. I, I think I'm looking to try and get higher up the food chain in the Eastern conference than where they are now, especially given some of the questions about the nets moving forward, especially given, um, you know, Boston seems to be in a good spot. Milwaukee seems to be in a good spot. Miami is getting older. Like Mm -hmm. at some point, Kyle Lowry is probably going to fall off a little bit. Yeah. Jimmy Butler seems eternal, but like uh, <laughs> at some point you would think he's going to fall off a little bit. So that that's kind of where I'm at on them. Before we, before we leave the bulls, just because of what we've been talking about, is there a, is there a Aiton deal there? Like if you're the sons, mm-hmm. would you take Vooch and Pat Williams? Is that too much for Aiton? I don't think so. I mean, I, I'd be happy to do it if, I was them, but if I, if I, I mean, that requires DeAndre wanting to sign a deal there as well. Right, right. That's the thing. Like, if he's, if so. he's down to do it, I mean, that helps Phoenix stay afloat. Like, I, I, again, Vooch fills the five void, obviously lose a little bit defensively, but, um, Pat Williams as kind of the, the pseudo four. Like, I don't know. I kind of like that if that's something that could be mapped out. I think I would rather do Rudy if I was Chicago than DeAndre because okay. I just think Rudy's a better player. But I'm with you. I get it. Uh, I, I don't think it's a bad. I don't think it's a bad idea at all to at least explore that if uh, you know if Rudy is not able to happen with Chicago. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's move to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Who I don't know. I, this doesn't seem like a wild off season for Cleveland. It's just a couple of questions, right? Like I'm assuming they give Darius Garland a max. Don't oh, he's, he's another guy we didn't mention with Detroit. I think that's possible. Well, Darius Garland is not a – I'm sorry. Colin Sexton. Guy. I'm thinking Colin, Colin Sexton. Is Colin Sexton is what I'm talking about. about. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think they give Darius Garland a max, yes. I think they give Darius Garland a max. Colin Sexton is now interesting. Uh-huh. I have no idea what his number is. You could tell me it's like – you could tell me it's qualifying offer from yeah. Cleveland. You could tell me it's four years, 80 million anywhere in the middle of that. Like mm-hmm. I have no idea how to gauge him. And it's in part because there are so few teams that can offer him $20 million. Right. So do one of those teams value him enough to jump in with him or not? I, I don't know the answer to that question. I think that's a hard one. I think Detroit likes him. I don't know if they love him. I know the idea has the 
They've always favored having another ball handler next to Cade, a combo mm-hmm. guard to help take the pressure off him. Sexton fits that fits that bill. He's also a scorer, um, addresses three-point shooting, doesn't really aid in kind of the culture they're trying to build defensively, and small guard, kind of been a staple in Pistons as of late. Not the biggest guard, and they've notoriously had smaller guards. Yeah. Uh, but for the right price, like, I'm not the biggest Colin Sexton fan, but I've also only watched Colin Sexton play for a crappy Cavs team. Um, so I don't know if the book is fully out on him, but I understand yeah. the appeal, and I think he definitely does fill voids for Detroit. I personally wouldn't give him more than, like, 18. Um, I would be hesitant to go, like, four for 80, but, I mean, it's a guy that can get you 20 points a game and shoot a high 30s from three. That's kind of what those guys go for, and he's young. Well, he needs a shot creator next to K. You can get a shot at the end of shot clocks, which is valuable. Let's say that this draft goes Keegan Murray for Detroit. They signed DeAndre Ayton. Then they still have the hole at like the combo guard spot next to Cade, someone who can play both on and off ball. You end up this offseason with Detroit, Colin Sexton, DeAndre Ayton, Keegan Murray. It's not a bad offseason. Like, yeah. I, I think that that probably pushes them into an interesting space moving forward in the Eastern Conference. And it's an interesting first core for Cade because look these guys who are centerpieces so quickly they go through multiple cores like you can make it like you can go through a first set of players if it doesn't work I think as long as um you could move guys you could move them and you make it work if I'm the Cavs do I look to retain Colin Sexton is my question I say no I would I rather know. sign and trade him for something, I think. I'm I with you. I don't I don't know if I love I don't know. Colin Sexton's style of play, I think, could be a little funky for what that group built last year. Yep. Um I just don't know if the cohesion is as intriguing if Colin is there and as dominant with the ball as he can be. I, I would I would keep the ball in Garland's hands. I'll continue to infiltrate or continue to have Mur- or, uh, Murray gosh darn Mobley be a focal point. Um, and then I would try to figure, I would go for like maybe a more traditional wing if I were yeah. Cleveland. I agree with you. I, I've been long on the train that I think that Colin Sexton and Darius Garland is a backcourt does not work in the playoffs. And no. thus, This is your chance, I think, to make a semi-clean break where you can get something back. You don't have to worry about what Collins' next deal is and how that impacts things moving forward. You don't have to worry about the fit of him and Karis LeVert and Darius, you know, you know, worrying over touches there on top of, you know, Evan Mobley getting touches on top of Kevin Love getting the touches that he got last year. Um, Yeah, I, I like the idea of them just trying to sign and trade him and kind of, kind of moving forward. Um, do they try and extend Karis Levert? So they have real flexibility that they can get in the off season going into the 2023, 24 season. Uh-huh. Any Levert deal changes that 
and really like any Collins or any Darius Garland max changes that, but they have enough cap flexibility moving forward here because Evan Mobley is so good already. And because Jared Allen's only on about $20 million a year right. that they're going to be able to clear out that roster, clear out their books and kind of make it work. I would venture. They probably do not extend Karis Levert because of that. And I think they look toward flexibility moving forward. I would think so too. Um, for as much as Karis could bring to that second unit and how important it is to have kind of like the get hot quick guy, just the money he's probably going to command. He's already at 18. I don't think like he's been poor enough that it's anything less than that. If he, whatever he signs next, I don't think it's worth it. And I think you can maybe find what he brings elsewhere. Um, and for Cleveland to keep the flexibility, I think it is important because they do have something brewing and they could be a piece away at some point. And just to have the flexibility to do something like that, I think is important. So I'm, I'm rolling with you. All right. Finally, they just need to find like an impact wing at the end yeah. of the day. Like yeah. I, I don't even have names like draft one at 14, Usman Jang, Jalen Williams, you know, draft a guy that you think can be a good wing basically someone between six foot four and six foot seven who can guard who can create shot like it's harder to find than you would think but find one please like that's that's my take yeah i thought they i thought they were going to be hot on the jeremy grant um train but they they need to address that because i think that's the piece that's they're right there from being like actually serious um yeah they need that piece and it's not easy to find, but there are some guys in this draft, as you mentioned, that could be there for them at 14 and I think could make an impact right away. All right, let's go to the Pacers. So they're for so me, weird. Well, I, I think that they're trying to get less weird over the next few days. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if like, while we're recording this, like something happens with yeah, them. Same. Right. Um, I've written this already in the mock draft, but they're very active right now when you talk to sources around the league, like they're canvassing the league, trying to figure out what they want to do. They just have a number of, you know, options on the table. Is it you keep Malcolm Brogdon and, you know, continue to build around that backcourt? Do you move Malcolm Brogdon for draft capital? Do you keep Miles Turner because you think he opens up the court developmentally for some of these young guys that you could end up with? Do you trade? Like there's just a number of things I think that, um, are kind of on the table right now for them. Uh, I think they just need to find a long-term vision and stick with it. If I was them, I would be moving heaven and earth to move up to number four uh, and draft Jaden Ivy at this point. Yeah, He's an Indiana kid. Uh, he fits incredibly well with Tyrese Halliburton. I'd be willing to give up, like I've said, Duarte. I'd give up something else in addition to Duarte plus six for number four. I'm a big Jaden Ivy believer though. Yeah. And I get that some people have some concerns. Wouldn't it be so Kings if they said, hey, yeah, just give us six and Miles Turner uh, so we can pair us a bonus and Turner. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the most Kings thing? Yeah, ever? don't um, do that. Please do not do don't, that. Uh, please, I, please free Miles Turner and let him like have his own thing going in the middle somewhere. That's all I so that's So that's what I w- want them to do. Uh, I think, first of all, I think Ivy and Halliburton, I think would be a great fit. If they're unable to move up to four, I like the idea of keeping Turner, like you said, yep, 
rim protecting, floor spacing, big man opens up the floor for the develop for their young guards, uh, who I think they should add another young guard and just take Benedict Matherin at six. Um, I would like a Halliburton Matherin uh, Turner core. Figure out what you do with TJ Warren. Figure out that that void at the three um, and, and the four. But trade Brogdon, go Halliburton, Matherin. You have Duarte as well, and you have then, sorry, yes, you have Chris Duarte. Two. Sorry, yeah, which is good. Um, which is good, and I'd I'd keep Turner. Like I I would keep Turner, and I would move Brogdon. Yeah, I I think that I think that's what I would do as well. I would try and extend Miles Turner. I would understand where his mind is moving forward into next off season. Like, does he want to be there? Is he willing to be there? Um, if not, then you probably do have to take a serious look at him, but I would be willing to extend miles Turner with this core. I, I think he's too. really good. I think he actualizes a lot of different lineup combinations because it's really still very hard to find guys who are elite rim protectors and floor spacers. Yes. And those guys at the center position are exceptionally valuable. Uh, that is why, like, I've seen some people raise, like, number 13 for Miles Turner with Charlotte. I, if I'm Indiana, it costs more than 13 yeah. for Miles Turner to me. I'm with um, you. Yeah, I'm not moving him for just that pick. Uh, I, I think he might be the most. I don't want to say underrated, but I want to say undervalued. I don't want to say the most. One of the most undervalued players in the NBA. Like I, I, well, I think there is more there that we all see, but we want to see it. We want to see him have the opportunity to show it. Right. We haven't gotten a chance to see it yet because of the situation he's been in. Right. right. Like that's the critical issue here. Um, in terms of everything else. I'm clear. I would try and move up to four. If they can't, that's great. You know, I'm with you. I think I try and move Malcolm Brogdon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like the Wizards and Knicks are looking for point guards. Number 10, number 11 are right there. Deals involving those picks make sense. Um, You know, if you do the Wizards, the Wizards should be going in one direction or another. If they're going to re-sign Bradley Beal, I think they should be moving in the direction of competing. Malcolm Brogdon, you know, for, and maybe something else for number 10 and uh, what it'd have to be like KCP and a couple other things. Um, I think there might be a three team trade there. Maybe let's yeah. do They're, the, the Pacers get four. The wizards get Brogdon Brogdon. Yeah. And whatever, like we'll, the, the minor parts will, we could figure out if we want to, the Pacers get, uh, or the Kings get six and ten. Ten, yeah. And I'm trying to think: is there like a team that they could like throw six and ten at, and like what would that get you? Yeah, it's it's a great question. Like, or if you're if you're Sacramento, do you just do Brogdon and six for four? That was one I pitched to. I have a fan, I have a friend who's a Kings fan. And I asked him if he would do that, and he said he would. He's also not a big Jaden Ivy fan, so he said he would do that. Yeah, that's interesting because he's big. Like you could actually play him with De'Aaron Fox and yeah. Davion Mitchell a little bit. Yep. Um, I think people don't really recognize how enormous Malcolm Brogdon is. Like I've yes. said this on the pod before, but like if you stand next to him, if you shake his hand, he is a big he's, dude. He's big. He's he's stocky. Um, and I think yeah. too. I think there's just like this idea 
I know we're talking about the Pacers, but if the Kings got Brogdon, I don't necessarily like everybody. I think everybody has the idea that the Kings didn't want to play multiple guards. That's why they traded Halliburton. I don't think that's the case. I think they just wanted DeMontis Sabonis and the price was Tyrese Halliburton. Like, I don't think they're, even if it right. pertains to Ivy, like, I don't think they're opposed to multiple guards. I don't think they're trying to make room for Davion Mitchell in the starting lineup. I think long-term Davion is probably a six man. That's just me. I could, you might have a different opinion on that. I would try to get somebody else in there as a core piece going forward. That's interesting. What I, man, that's hard. I really think that, I think that Ivy is in like a different stratosphere than Keegan and um, Ben Math. Ben Matherin. I, I really like Matherin a lot. I shouldn't say he's in a different stratosphere than Ben. Um, but if Ben was to go like five or something like that, and then you have Keegan at six, I would rather have Ivy, I think, than Brogdon and Murray. Because yeah. I think that highly of Jaden and his upside and the fit there moving forward. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I don't yeah. know what to do there yet. Um, that's a like to me, like that is that's what I'm trying. I don't know. The Kings are the hard one right now. And the yeah. Pacers are like the second hardest one because yeah. I, I've heard a lot of different names there, too, yeah. from like sources around the league in terms of who they could like, I think that they would take Matherin at six, but I'm not a hundred percent clear on that. I'm with you. Um, and I would throw Detroit in there too. Like I, I feel more comfortable. I felt more comfortable three weeks ago about who they would pick than I do today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is what happens. Yeah. Um, okay. We've got what else here with the Indiana Pacers? Uh, is Mount the question is like are you uh are you fully actualizing Malcolm Brogdon's trade value if you just do like six and four for or six in Brogdon for four or like constructions around that where it's like Brogdon goes to the Wizards and you get 10 and then it's six and ten for four and it's a number of different things, right? Like essentially you're trading Brogdon and six yeah. for four. I, I think you are because I think that Malcolm is that good. Or I think that Jaden is that good. I was going to say, if you think Jaden's that good, you just go get your guy. But, like, let, let's, like, game plan this out a little bit more. Like, if you're the Pacers, maybe you can get number six, you take Ben Mather, and number 10, you take Johnny Davis or something like that. You now have a backcourt core of Tyrese Halliburton, Ben Matherin, Chris Duarte, Johnny Davis with Miles Turner in the middle. That's a pretty fun core. Yeah. Like, that's a really interesting one, I think. I'm with you. I, I think I think that's the route the Pacers should go, personally. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know enough about Rick Carlisle to know if he's built for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that hiring him doesn't signal that, but it also a lot of this is kind of I don't know if a lot of this has manifested over the last few months that they're in this position where they can like full on rebuild if they want. Yeah. And I think that's why they've been so weird to me is because you hear mixed signals about they're just want to retool, like kind of what the what Portland's doing. Like they're trying to take a year step back to build it back up. But then you're hearing that they might rebuild uh, and they have very good avenues for both. So that's why I think they're weird. And then you factor in who their coach is. It's interesting to me. I, I would yeah. go. I, I think the Kings should take Ivy and trade Fox, but they're not going to do that. 
I, I agree with you. I've said yeah. that throughout that if I was the Kings, that's what I would do, but yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. They're not going to do that, but that's the same thing with the Pacers. I, I, I think the Pacers should try to go get as many lottery picks in this draft as they can. Yeah. Like the, the problem with the Kings, if you do that is, and I know we're talking about the Pacers now, but like the problem with Kings, if you do that is you're probably what moving Fox for 11 to the Knicks and something else. Right. Yeah. Or like, you know, to the wizards for 10 and something else, you're setting yourself up to rebuild again. Yeah. And I think that's just like actively what they don't want to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm skeptical that they would go down that route, but we'll see. Yeah. I don't um, think they will, but they should, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And look, I, I would say this, like you can give miles Turner, like a four year, hundred million dollar extension. I would do that. Like yep. if he's willing to take that, I would do that. I think he's really good. I'm okay. You. The Milwaukee bucks, they have Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, both under contract, both extension eligible. I would imagine that if Middleton is willing to take an extension, they probably do it. I guess it's possible they could look into it like a one-year extension for Brooke Lopez. But to, to me, this is all about like accentuating your core if you're the Bucks mm-hmm. and just hoping that you're healthy next year for the playoffs. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I don't think there's much to talk about with them. I think they bring back, obviously, the primary core. I don't think there's a lot of wiggle room to do much. Uh, they're my pick if everybody's healthy to win it all next year. Um, yeah. And... I mean, for them, they got what the twenty fourth pick. Uh, I would go straight upside with that. I wouldn't, if I were them, I wouldn't. I guess this is where it gets tricky. If you could flip that into a, a ready now player to add to your to ro- your rotation, um, it makes sense. But I also think, if I were Milwaukee, I would just take a high swing on a guy just in case, like a kind of like a Warriors situation. Obviously, they're not getting as high a picks, but you maybe hope that this guy is better quicker than you think, or you have just some type yeah. of like light down the road. Um, so what I would do if I was them, I think that the magic would like to move into the first round using 32 and 35. Uh-huh. Uh, if I'm the bucks, I would rather have 32 and 35 than 24. I would move 24 for 32 and 35, get two swings at guys that frankly for me are in the same tier. Yeah. Like, for Orlando, they have so many young guys consolidating 32 and 35 into one young guy that they really like, or maybe like a little bit more, plus getting the extra year of team control is a little bit more valuable for them than 32 and 35 are. For the Bucks, having two swings at potential, you know, minimum level players, rookie minimum level players, where that saves them quite a bit of tax money, plus you get two swings on potential rotation players down the road. I think that's actually a really valuable thing for Milwaukee. And I would, that's what I would do if I was them uh, on draft night. If you're John Horst and the Pistons call and offer you 36 and Kelly Olenek, who has a uh, non guaranteed deal starting next year, that if he's not on for a certain day, I think he's only owed like 3 million or something like that for mm-hmm. 24 and whatever whoever gets you to the cap space you need to, to get there. Would you do that? Does Kelly Olenek interest you? A little bit because of the that's shooting. A, that's what I'm saying. I think that's, I think it yeah. makes sense. Probably. Mm, or would you rather have 32 and 35? I think I'd rather have 32 and 35. Fair, fair. 
I think I would rather have 32 and 35. Just I'm given given that Kelly is expensive still if you're yep. keeping him. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's not a bad it's not a bad idea though. Like that's not like a crazy crazy plan. I don't think. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of their other guys, I believe Pat Connaughton opted into his player option, which surprised Shocked. me. Shocked. Yeah. So that's going to save Milwaukee money. Uh, Brooke or uh, Bobby Portis, I would imagine, is going to get some pretty real money. He could sign a deal up to eleven million dollars a year. I would think that that it's. I think it's like a four-year, fifty-five million dollar deal. Maybe you do three years. You know, three years, forty or whatever the yeah. number is three years 41 or something and you go yeah. from there um but he should get real money at this point yeah. uh in general i'm just looking to add like one more ball handler i'm looking to add just a little bit more shooting and defense and you know i'm using 24 in the best way i can to maybe try and get a couple of swings on young guys or just one swing on a young guy i, yeah. I think that their off season is very simple at the end of the day i'm with you that's that tends to be how uh, how it is when you're right there for the title race I, I don't think they need to get crazy okay we're up with the southeast division the atlanta hawks have one of the more complicated off seasons moving forward uh what do you do with john collins who has been very clearly it seems like being telegraphed as someone who's going to be moved i want to ask you first about collins is it uh, like i like collins i don't love him but it feels yeah. like he's a guy that should be like if he's as available as he is it feels like it's it's not talked about enough like there are a lot of teams that john collins could help but you don't like i I don't know like i just feel like it's been kind of underplayed uh the market for him um i think it happens i don't know what atlanta i guess i struggle with what does atlanta get back that's better in a John Collins. So Mark Stein, as we're talking literally right now, just tweeted out from his most recent um, Substack, most recent Substack article. The Hawks are weighing a variety of scenarios as they pursue a John Collins trade in connection with Thursday's draft with a deal headlined by Collins and Sacramento's Harrison Barnes among Atlanta's prime options. So like, I don't know the Sacramento part of this is weird for me too, because I think John Collins is really good. Yeah. But Demonis Sabonis likes to operate out of the post, the mid post. John Collins can shoot, but like John Collins is best when you have him like rim running and attacking the basket. Are you going to like, but you already have deer and Fox running like a lot of fun actions off of movement, like, you know, running dribble handoffs with Demonis Sabonis and things. Are you going to use John Collins, like in the dunker spot, maybe mm-hmm. use Sabonis's passing ability, use De'Aaron's speed to kind of hit him there. Yeah. Are you going to use him just to like space the floor? I think that that's like a strange fit. Like I've always wanted John Collins with like a great floor spacing shot blocking center. Like I, I yes. want him in like Indiana, for instance, yeah. like pairing him with miles Turner would be great. Um, or like trying to trade for miles Turner and bringing him down to Atlanta would be great. I think because yeah. you know, that creates your lob threat for Trey with John Collins. It creates your floor spacing threat with miles Turner. You retain the defensive uh, integrity that you need around Trey with a drop coverage scheme with Turner. That would be one of my targets if I was Atlanta. And I would move Clint Capella, but like, it seems like 
I, I wonder how much of this is they really like Onyeka Kongwu and they want to buy minutes for Onyeka Kongwu, maybe, um, who went number six overall in a couple drafts. Yeah. I don't know. This is it's a it's a weird thing. Like I, I and John's a weird player to fit, even though I'm with you. I actually love John Collins. As a yeah, yeah. And I, he's he's tough, man. Like I want guys is. that are super fucking tough that I can trust to like be willing to play their role in the playoffs, but be effective within their role in the playoffs, which he proved last year, I thought. Yeah, no, I agree. I think for me, where um, the minor hesitation is, I don't know if... I, I want to see him away from Trey. Not that I'm saying, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Trey's fault or anything. I just, I've just, i always felt like he's been used f- funky is the best way I can put it. Like, I, It's clear the talent is there. I just don't know, like, what... I don't know if I know what the best use of John Collins is, but I know there is a mm. good use. And I don't know if the best use of John Collins makes a team significantly better, I guess is my, that's not what I want to say. I don't know if the best use of John Collins is the best thing for a team that wants to win a championship, I guess is my thing. I think that it's, I think you can do that with John Collins. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that you can build a roster situation where John Collins is averaging like 18 and eight and being super efficient as a lob threat and spacing the floor as a pick and pop guy. But it takes a very specific roster fit around him. Right. That is difficult to acquire. That's how I feel. That's a great way to put it. Like, it limits your roster flexibility a little bit, maybe. Is John 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 is a great like I think he's a great player yeah. and I am a big fan of his uh, and I love the way that he's improved defensively like I think he holds up now at the four which yes. was always the concern like kudos he, to him he for can actually strides. move around he can do all of he all of what he needs to with the four defensively now um, he's gotten really good with angles he reads the play pretty well like I am a fan of John I also. I think it's hard to build a scheme around him that really works because you need that floor spacing five who isn't going to want to run pick and pops. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you need like Brooke Lopez. You need Miles Turner. You need guys that are difficult to find. Uh, You need Chet Holmgren, for instance, right? Yes. Um, Demonis, I don't think is that guy, to be honest, uh, which makes it a little bit tricky, especially given how much he likes to be involved in the primary action of the play with dribble handoffs. So I don't like this deal at all for Sacramento. I don't like it for John Collins either, frankly. Well, what would Atlanta Um, do with four, do you think? I don't, I'm, no, I'm assuming they don't get four for John Collins, are you? What it would just be, what what was, was it just be Harrison? What do you think it would be? Harrison and maybe like a future first or something. I wouldn't do that then if I were Atlanta. I don't, I feel like you get more for John. Yeah. I mean, I think four is high, but I didn't, I'd assume that I didn't think just, I wouldn't do just Harrison and a future first. I'd rather keep John. Yeah. I think I would too. That's why like all of this doesn't make, I don't know what Atlanta is. I don't know what their, what their goal. Yeah. Like we all think that they're trying to get back to where they were two years ago, but what are you looking for? Like, what do you think the ideal pairing is with Trey? Because I assume this is what all this is for, of course. Um, like, what do you, what do you think that ad, ideal pairing is? And do they even have anything close to going and get it. I, My I, plan for them was I would chase Rudy Gobert really hard. 
because he's the okay. guy that like fits really well with Trey. He insulates Trey defensively. They have to run a drop with Trey because he gets killed in switches. Yeah. And there's no better drop defender than Rudy. Rudy's obviously an incredible lob catcher. That makes a lot of sense. I The thing that I said is I'd be willing to give up DeAndre Hunter for him, and it seems like Atlanta is not willing to give up DeAndre Hunter at this point. Um, okay. I like that. I, yeah, I'm with you on that. I like. I think Gobert is a good fit. I just... Yeah, I don't know. Is is uh, Trey is better than Donovan Mitchell? The Hawks yes, are a bit deeper. The, the The Hawks are a bit deeper. Not a bit. I would rather have the Hawks perimeter players than Utah. Than Utah's. Yep. I don't factor in Hunter defensively. Utah doesn't have that on the perimeter. Other than that, Herter's a good defender. Herter's fine. Yeah. Herter's a good team defender. You yeah. can't use him as like the primary guy on. So maybe it works better than. Players. Yeah. Maybe it works better than it has for Utah. I think it would. Yeah. I, I actually think it would. Like, I think that Rudy would average more points per game. I think that, um, you know, you, you, I'm saying that I would move DeAndre Hunter, but you have Kevin Herter, you have Bogdan Bogdanovich, you have. I mean, it'd be funny that you'd be going to play with another Bogdanovich, but like, um, <laughs> you have pick 16, unless you trade, would you trade Collins in 16 for Gobert? Is that too much? My idea was like Deandre Hunter and 16 and like guarantee Gallinari or something like that. Okay. You give them cap relief. You give them the great wing defender that they are hunting for. Give them a good draft pick. So you want to keep like Collins that. in this scenario too. I would probably try and move Collins elsewhere. Move him elsewhere. And okay. do it like in a separate deal. Separate yeah, deal. for okay. like a great – I would try and find my wing in a Collins deal basically. Okay. Honestly, then for them, the Sacramento deal makes sense. Yep. I'm because you. then you get Harrison Barnes. Your, your wings are now – you know, you have Herder, Bogdanovich, Harrison Barnes, Rudy Gobert. You have Trey Young obviously. That's like a core that makes sense to me. Yes, um, I'm I'm rolling with you. When we map it out, it makes a lot more sense. Moving parts, but yeah, when you map it out, it makes I, I I like that a lot more. And then you have the Onyeka Kongwu thing. Yeah, yep. like I think there's a lot there. Um, it seems like they're going to give DeAndre Hunter an extension. I don't know what that's going to be. It, I have no idea what his number is. <laughs> None is at all. Injury prone at this point, but he's great when he's on the court. They made a run without him, basically in the playoffs. So like. I'm totally unclear on what that is. The other thing is like Atlanta has never paid the tax. That's the other thing under this ownership. Yep. Atlanta has not yet paid the tax. Are they willing to pay the tax? You would hope so. I think it's time. I would hope so too. I think it's time. I agree. I, I mean, I agree. I'm curious what a hunter extension looks like. Yeah. I don't really know. Four but yeah. 60 it's... too much. Too little? No, I think it's too low. I don't think Hunter accepts that. Yeah. That's like that's that's a situation where you get into the Miles Bridges issue of what happened this year. Like what, if you're extending him, like it almost has to be for 18 to 20, I think. What was is what, what did, he's gonna ask for? What did OG what was his extension from Toronto again? Was it four for four sixty-eight, I believe. You think that's fair? You think that's about I think OG is pretty underpaid. So I well, that's what, yeah, that's what, so when yeah. that, I remember when that happened, I was shocked. Um, yeah. But then that also like, to me, Deandre hasn't as good as he's been when he's been on the floor. He hasn't even, I don't know if he's deserved the four for 68, like 
yeah. if you look at the resume, I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. I, it's he's a weird one. I, it, but like, if I'm him, I'm not capping myself out at 460. I'm not taking that. Yeah. I'm playing this year and seeing where it goes. I'm Just much like Miles Bridges did this year and spiked his value two times over. Right. The Charlotte Hornets. Speaking of miles bridges, (laughs) they're up next. Uh, They just have to resign bridges. I think at the end of the day, like you, you make it roll. Um, Okay. Uh, 13 and 15. I think that they use one of these picks. I think they use the other as a trade asset in some way. There have been rumors that they're trying to use it to get off of Gordon Hayward's deal. Gordon Hayward is good at basketball. Like, I get it that he's injury prone, but he is still very good at like playing the actual sport that he's paid mm-hmm. to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I put seen... it in my I put it in my story. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the Pistons strike out, I wouldn't hate thirteen and Gordon in Detroit. So, like, if you're I've seen Sam Quinn from over at CBS pose this idea where why would you not just move Gordon Hayward for Russell Westbrook and then just cut Westbrook and move forward instead of giving up Gordon Hayward and 13 for something. And then if you're like the Lakers, are you doing better than Gordon Hayward for Russell Westbrook? No, that I agree with. Do I if the whole idea is to get off of Gordon Hayward's money, right? Because you want to use that money to pay miles and you don't want to be a tax team right now. Right. Doesn't that make sense? It does make sense. Russell has this year and next year on his deal. I think he has this year and that's it. Oh, then yes, I would make that deal. Let me let me confirm that as we're talking, but I think he just has this coming year. If it's two years and they end up waving and stretching him, then I maybe have hesitation. If it's just this year, uh, I'm I'm on board. Yeah, it's just this coming year, and that's it. I would do uh, that deal. And look, if I was Charlotte, like I would just pay and keep Gordon Hayward and keep Miles Bridges and right. like see what this core looks like again, but if you really feel like you need to get rid of the Hayward money, I don't know why you would attach 13 or 15 in order to do it uh-huh. when you can just do this other yeah. thing, I would think. I'm with you. And I think. And that makes a ton of sense for the Lakers. I think. Yeah, I, I think it makes a ton of sense for the Lakers. I think the Hornets are still in the position where the expectations aren't there to be they're exciting i think we would all agree that they probably were a year ahead what they did this past season mm-hmm. um i would say they outkicked their coverage a little bit mm-hmm. i don't think that the expectation is like for the hornets to make this massive leap they still have a very young core i like think that the idea of doing that is fine if russell Westbrook only has a year left you get off that money next summer um, with like, they're in the spot where they have roster moves. They can do to really like piece it around. Like I don't necessarily think the next best Hornets team is this team. We see, like, I think it's LaMelo yeah. and some other guys. I like that. I, I, I would do that. And then keep 13 and 15, keep swinging for the fences and 
I mean, you have a team right now where you don't need 13 and 15 to heavily contribute, but there's a world where you could get Jalen Duran at 13 and then there solves your center problem. Uh, right. Totally. Yeah. Like I, or Mark, even Mark Williams. So like, yeah, I'm with you. Like there's no need to attach it. Just get Russ and tell him and buy him out. Yeah. Buy him out. Yeah. Like I, th- it's weird to me. It, it's, but again, if I was them, I would just keep Gordon Hayward. So well, like, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know what the, like, maybe they can't, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Um, it's a, it's weird. Their, their roster is a bit strange. Um, do you keep Kelly Oubre? What is he, what's his deal again? It is. You know I it can in front of you. I'm sorry. As we're talking. Um, I believe it is. Where is problem is I don't have my keyboard hooked up. Uh, pull it up too. Let's see here. Kelly. I have their cap table up. It is. Uh, he's $12.6 million next season. And then that's it. And then that is it. Um, and it's I like- five million guaranteed, by the way. Okay. I like Kelly. I like Kelly's role in Charlotte. I thought he had some very good moments last season. Um I would keep him. I would keep him. I wouldn't I wouldn't extend him or anything. I would keep him. See what happens, see how he plays, take him to the deadline, poke around. And if you like what you get from him, maybe I don't know, engage in the off next offseason and see if you want to keep him around as kind of like a, a a the guy off the bench. Um I would not I mean, I don't know what comes in. I like Kelly Oubre. I, I don't think he's overpaid. I think he brings something to the basketball team. Um I would just roll with them and then just at each step, the trade deadline, see what's there. Um, I wouldn't be afraid to trade them either, but I also like, wouldn't be like trying to trade them. Well, and if you're keeping, if you're moving Gordon Hayward, I think you keep Kelly. Yeah. And you need that's more. your like ready, ready made replacement basically. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Do you extend PJ Washington is the other thing. I don't. And I like PJ, but I almost, it, so let's go with what me and you both think they should do is keep Gordon. I think the best starting lineup for them is Mason, even though I'm not a Mason fan, but Mason, Miles, Gordon, uh, Terry, LaMelo. Yeah. I just think PJ is not a five. Yeah. And I just wouldn't extend him to be your backup four. Yeah, at the number that it's probably going to take, I wonder if he becomes a real trade chip this summer. I but agree. I'm probably willing to pay him 14 million or so to be my like sixth man that is super versatile, comes in off the bench, plays the four, plays the five, you know, defends at a high level. If he's willing to take that number, 
I, I would do that, that for that. Yeah, yeah. If he's willing to take yeah. that number, I would do it. I'm with you on that. If I he's just, yeah, willing to do four fifty six, something like that. I'm in on that. That yep. sounds like how you make it work, I think. I'm but with you. maybe not. I don't but know. But I also don't maybe like has, P, has PJ done enough to of course there's there's upside with him. I think there is more I think PJ in the right situation looks a lot better than he has. Um mm-hmm. and I don't think he's looked terrible, but I wonder if like the 14 million a year, like has he done anything to warrant any more? No, I mean, like, look I don't like think that's a bad number. He's a legit starting caliber player who averages 10 points and five rebounds, plays good defense, makes his two point shots, can shoot out to three. That's kind of what these guys get paid now. Yeah. It's just kind of like it is at the end of the day. So um, I agree with you though. He could be in a better spot soon. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, let's go to the Miami Heat. It seems like P.J. Tucker is opting out and maybe moving on. They have to figure out what to do with Victor Oladipo, but this is a team that always just takes a big swing. Do you see what this swing is for Miami? Because I'm struggling to find it this offseason. I am too. Do 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 they search around and find a team that loves Tyler Hero enough to Mm -hmm. give up something really good? I am a Tyler Hero fan, but I am also cognizant of the fact that that is a guy that could get played off the floor in an NBA final series defensively. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's hesitation there. Uh, do teams want Duncan Robinson? I would think so, but I don't know the value. If you're going to get value back in trading Duncan Robinson because of the money and him again, uh, I mean, he's got to get played off the floor <laughs> when, when games matter. Yeah. To me, those are the really only two realistic trade chips. And I just don't know if the return, I think they're worth more to Miami than others. Maybe somebody talks themselves into hero. I, I think that Tyler is really good. They're in a weird spot because it feels like if you're going to cash in Tyler hero, you want to do it before you extend him. Yes. But there isn't really a guy to cash in for right now. If you're them, Uh like I would think that they're a real potential landing spot. If Bradley Beal would ever ask out of Washington. Yep. Right. Which I'm not sold will ever happen, but I'm not sold will ever happen either. Yep. But could you do something like Bradley Beal for hero X, Y hero, you know, and you throw in like the Kyle Lowry money plus like all of their future firsts or something like that. Like maybe, maybe that's it. Right. But I don't think that Beal is going to ask out. So that's not a real deal that Mm -hmm. would ever be on the table. Like, I I don't know. Kyrie does not seem like an Eric Spolstra guy to me. No. Um, I'm with you. Maybe you could convince him to like join the heat culture and it could work. Um, I, 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 Kyrie in Miami. That's just me. I kind of strangely think that it's just going to work with Kyrie in Brooklyn and he's going to go back there. That's my weird take on this, that it seems like everyone's assuming that he doesn't just get like a max from Brooklyn now because Brooklyn's trying to hold firm. Yeah. I think Brooklyn's just going to have to break at the end of the day. I do too. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. They're going to have to do it. Um, like, yeah. Who is the swing? <sighs> Does it need to be like, so like, here's a name, like DeJounte Murray continues to get floated. That's what I've heard. Yes. 
like continues to randomly just get reported on every time, like on the margins as someone, Hey, maybe this could be available. I think there's uh, worry about extending him. I don't, if, if I'm Miami, like that's an interesting one to me because the Duncan Robinson money gets you equal. Would you trade hero for DeJounte Murray? If, if I'm Miami, yes. Okay. If I'm San Antonio and I assume if we both heard the same thing and San Antonio, whatever it is with DeJounte that they don't either, they don't want to extend them. There's other things there whatever. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like, know what it is, I, but I've I heard this too. find it weird that he comes up in reports. Yeah. About like someone that the Spurs, for whatever reason, like are making, or at least taking like calls on, or I, the wording of the reporting is always weird. Like, don't aggregate this. We're just like talking no, no, no. here. Yeah, yeah. But like, this isn't our reporting. Like, no, we're no, no. going off of what's publicly, like randomly comes up. Right. And maybe it's just other teams trying to steal DeJounte Murray out from San Antonio, mm-hmm. right? But it is weird that yeah. his name keeps coming up in a, like in the way that it does. Yeah. Um, is, yeah. There, is there a – if that's the case, and I know I'm trying to figure out a way to work Miami into this, is there a way for the Spurs to jump to four – the Kings. I'm trying to figure out what the Kings in Miami would get. Like that could be the swing. Maybe there's something. No. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But like if you're. See, like I don't know what San Antonio is trying to move DeJounte Murray for either. Right. Yeah, that's is what's weird. Like, like, I don't know if they want to do Tyler hero for him. So like, maybe it's not like, I'm just trying to come up with names like DeJounte Murray, like theoretically OG Ananobi seems perfect for them. If Toronto is realistically trying to move him, which I am extraordinarily skeptical on, but maybe that could be a thing. And I don't Um, see hero as a Raptors guy. Neither do I, Uh, but I don't know if they would move hero for OG either. Uh, because yeah, you know, OG I think they has should, but they wouldn't. Wide. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Um, Is, you know, like the Nuggets are pretty locked in. I don't think they would be like the D'Angelo Russell team if the Timberwolves tried to move him. Like, I can't see that either. Maybe it is for Miami. They just run it back and be super competitive again. Make the you know second round of the playoffs, conference finals hope for injuries to get to a title run again or like a final turn again and go from there is and then there try a, and like build around Jimmy late, like the next off season. Is there like a Norm Powell, Luke Kennard hero trade? No, I don't think no. so. I would love Norm Powell in Miami. I've always, so would like, I. I've always envisioned that. But the thing with those two teams is that, they both really value that like toughness exactly. and everything like that. So like, I think that they both would value them heavy and it would be hard to consummate a trade there. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's a weird one. Maybe with Miami, it is. They just like kind of run it back. They have number 27. They bring back Ola Depot. Maybe they end up trying to have to overpay for PJ Tucker for a year. 
and they can't make a big swing. And I don't know if that's the end of the world. I'm worried about Lowry, um, but I still think that team is good enough. Like, I don't think next year is the year that the tires fall off fully. Mm -hmm. I don't, I think maybe standing pat, no pun intended, would be, uh, wouldn't be the end of the world for Miami. I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Orlando, this will be a quick one. They take Jabari Smith in all likelihood, you know, not done certainly, but let's, you know, Jabari Smith is rising in betting odds again, because it seems like people think it's going to be Jabari. Um, they have I to make think, a decision. I, I think on Chet Mobama. goes one, by the way. You think put, Chet goes one. I want to put that on record. And I just want, I want to make, I want to make this known. You're the goat and you have Jabari going one. This is just James is crazy trying to be. Why do you think this? This is going to be, this is interesting. Orlando. Because Hollinger is, thinks it too. And John's yeah. also like, you are smart. John is smart. I am curious when people say this. I think, I, I personally think just Chet has the most upside. Um, I think. Honestly, that's it. Like, I just think that the idea of Chet is too enticing to pass. It's scary as hell. Yeah. But I think the idea of Chet is too good to pass up. I think that they have. Like, what do you do? I, I don't know. I don't like when a team has the number one pick. I don't like thinking about, like, what do you do with this guy? Like, whatever. But, like, if Jonathan Isaac comes back. And he's anything like he was before the injury. You have Wendell Carter. Like, I just like Chet's fit with that a little bit more than Jabari. Um, it's a problem regardless of which one of those two. You right. Take. Like one of one of those three or like, one of those two are going to be gone eventually. But well, like, it, it's just like no matter if you take Jabari or Chet, the Jonathan Isaac conundrum, like in the prep that I sent you, like I just have Jonathan Isaac question mark. <laughs> yeah, because I have no idea. Like I, I, and like, we shouldn't have any idea because Jonathan Isaac hasn't played in a while at this point, right. um, coming off of significant knee injuries. And he is a genuinely like special defender, yep. but there are offensive questions still, unfortunately. And yep. I, I don't know what you do with Jonathan Isaac. Like I, I would, if I was a team that needed a swing, I would be kind of poking around maybe to see uh-huh. what the value, like, could you maybe get Jonathan Isaac for something a little cheaper? But I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a problem though, regardless of taking Chet or Jabari at the end of the day. I, it's so not, to go, yeah, to go back to Orlando, there, I have a hunch. I have no reporting. I think Chet goes one. I think the upside. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, I think Paolo goes two. Yeah, I think I, it gets weird. I firmly disagree, but we'll see I, tomorrow. If, I, if I were listening to this podcast and you're a betting person, I would take Sam's advice and not listen to James. But I'm rolling with – if this happens, I want to be – I love I love the yeah. creativity. Yeah, I'm getting weird with it. Yeah, I'm here for it. Like, n- none of us knows until we know. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like anyone knows totally yet. But I right? think it, it is leaning towards Jabari 